0: Thank you. Good morning. Yeah, that's enthusiastic. I'm feeling good about that. Good morning. Oh, yeah, there you go. There you go. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome home. Uh, My name is Tom. You're at Bethany. I say welcome home because um, whether this is your home church or not, and it's so good to see we have some of the people who've been traveling for the summer back. Some people are still gone. We got some guests. Whether this is your home church or not, When church is working the way Jesus intended it to work, this should be a taste of home. Right? Our eternal home. I, I look forward to being with you guys. I count down the days until Sunday gets here because this, this is so sweet. It's good to see you all. Uh, a couple of announcements before we uh, get started. Uh, there's no children's church today. The last Sunday of every month, we like to worship as a family. We'll keep it pretty PG this morning. It'll be good. You won't have to answer really weird questions for your kids on the way home today. We're going to have a great time. A couple of announcements. Very important, right after the service, uh, Bethany 101 is taking place right through those doors down the stairs in that big room down there. This is for everybody. If you're a member of this church, if you're uh, curious about this church, if you'd like to become a member, if you're a college student that hasn't been plugged in, we're filtering everything through Bethany 101. Uh, You've probably got a a letter from Matt. Uh, We have a discipleship program, a one-on-one thing that we're starting called Recycle, Recycling Your Faith. It's beautiful. And and, uh, deacon Ministries, service ministries of every stripe, and it all goes through the Bethany 101. So if you haven't attended, I urge you to to stay. We're gonna do that immediately after the service. We have some people who've attended and have not turned in their membership covenant. And there's about 20 of you out there. Um, And you just keep forgetting, I I get that. Um, But you can go and pick up a new one and and just take care of that because we are hitting the ground running. and, And as I said, everything goes through there. So can't encourage you enough to do that. We're having a church work day on Saturday. There are two shifts. You can work from 10 till 12 Or one to three. In between, there's a there's a lunch. I believe it's being provided by Mario's. We're gonna eat the lunch in the park, right? Sharmar? Child care at Sharmar Park for the 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. shift only. Lunch from 12 to 1. If you come just for lunch, we're gonna snag you, we're gonna bring you back. We're gonna have a great time. God's, uh, you know, this is the place where we do ministry for him, and uh, there are things that need to be cleaned and fixed and spruced up, because the things that are happening this fall are incredible. So we got to get things done, a couple of honeydews for the Lord. Uh, so place for you to sign up if you're going to be in town, love to have you with us. Um, whether you're doing the morning shift or the afternoon shift, you can have lunch, great. There was a misprint uh, in the original softball schedule um, that had us... A, we had a bye this week. We don't have a bye. Now we are hitting the big crescendo of the regular season. There is a game Tuesday night. It's the second game of the evening, 7:45 Northwest Field, All the Belugas. We are assembling there to play the underdogs. We're gonna have a great time as we always do. Eat too many popsicles. Laugh entirely too much. Uh, so come, whether you're playing or not, um, come enjoy that wonderful to have the Huckabees. It was a great surprise. They rolled in from, from Texas, San Angelo area. Dear friends, dear, dear friends. And, and they are just like walking, breathing um, generosity. And so they come and hand me this note. They're uh, preparing supper tonight uh, at 7 p.m. at their home. Uh, it's on 129 Sandpiper. For those of you who haven't been there, uh, if you need directions, we'll give you those. Um you can ask Ryan, you can ask Matt, you can ask me. Uh, this is for the college students and 20-somethings. And I, I believe they will card. So, um, you know, so, and, no, just wonderful. If you haven't had a chance to get to know them, if, if you do, you're headed there anyway, I know. But uh, thank you, thank you, God bless you. That fits in perfectly uh, with our message. Um, you're gonna wanna make sure to get there this evening. Um Open your Bibles. We got two places to open to. One is Acts 4, and then we're going to hit that first. We're going to cover a lot of Scripture this morning, so I need you to stay with me. Kids are with us. Uh, I I want you to stay awake, because if you're good, I'll be using a hula hoop at the end. And and, then, you know, you don't see that every day. And so, uh, Acts 4, the other place is 2nd. Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Go to 1 Corinthians. Take a right. Go down a block and stop. You're welcome for that tip. I'm a servant. That's how I am. So put your finger in 2 Corinthians 8. Open to Acts 4. Let's pray and we'll get right to work. Oh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, there might be one in front of you under the seat. If there's not, one will mystically appear if you raise your hands. If you think of Roy Mask as mystical, then uh, that all makes sense. If you want this Bible, take it with you. It's yours to keep. We want one in every hand, every home, every heart. Uh, but I invite you not only to read along on the screen, but flip through the pages and take notes. Uh, we're going to pray and we get started. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the joy of being with, with your people. And, the, and just to be together and in your presence is, is such a gift. Lord, uh, we pray against the evil one, the enemy, and his servants, their works and effects. We pray for the Holy Spirit to fall upon us, to awaken us to your word, to the things you're speaking to us. Lord, I thank you. I'm going to leave this place a changed man, and, and I ask that we would all leave changed and, and pressing in closer to you. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, for everything and what you're going to do in this time that we have together. Lord, I ask you to forgive me my sins and I wish they weren't so many. And Lord, may you be glorified by everything that happens here. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the title of this message is Generous. Now, don't get all flinchy uh, because we're talking about money um, and talking about giving. This is very up. I'm so excited about this. Um, How to live... Open handed in a closed fisted world, at a closed fisted time. Um, this is a bad time. This is a challenging time for the economy. And, and so there is a lot of despair. There's a lot of uh, downcast looks. There's a, there's a lot of hopelessness out there. And Mark Driscoll, I love the way he says it. He says it's because the God of money has died. But unlike our God, unlike our Jesus, the God of money does not look like he's gonna resurrect anytime soon. And so there's a lot of that hopelessness. There's a lot of despair, but it's different for us, very different. We're gonna dive into scripture. We're gonna take a look at two churches uh, in the Word of God that are that are experiencing hope and joy and generosity and peace and blessing even in the midst of uh, experiencing much of what we are. They're very cool churches and it's, it, God bless you, how we can be that kind of church, that kind of people that God is calling us to be and, and, and that's what we want to do. So uh, before we take a look, the first church we're going to look at is in Acts 4 um, And we're excited about that because we've been taking a a break from the Acts series that we've been in to do this flow series. So I'm excited to kind of visit that early church in Acts because it's like a a good friend that you can't go too long without seeing. Um, And uh, I I just wanna, I I want us to turn to Acts 4 and we're gonna start in the 32nd verse and take a look uh, at what's going on there. So uh, let's turn there, Acts 4, 32 and our favorite church, here they are. And, and let's take a look. I want you to notice the awesomeness of the generosity that's going in on here, right? And I want you to notice as we go through these uh, scriptures very quickly the all or nothing attitude that they have and, and that we're called to have. Now, here we go, 32. Now the full number, 100%, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, 100%. Okay, that's verse 32. All of them were of how many heart and soul? One. One heart and soul. There was no distance. There was no separation. There was no marginalization of the guy who's freaky, who comes to church, eats four donuts, looks like a cat has been sucking on his hair, and, and, and it smells like feet. There was no marginalization because when the polished people of the church saw him, they said, I am a part of him. He is a part of me. We are a part of Christ. We are of one heart and one soul. Everyone who belongs to Jesus Christ belongs to everyone who belongs to Jesus Christ. And beyond that, the whole world. Because this is the countercultural revolution where we as salt and light go out. And and tell the good news and embody the good news. And so all of them were of one heart and one soul, going on at 32, and no one, 0%, said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. Say, we're already doing that. We're already doing that. I say, my house is not mine, the bank owns it. My car's not mine, the bank owns it. No, they were getting at something else. They were getting at something else. We're gonna take a look at that in a minute. Going on. But they had everything in common. You see that? That's 100%. Everything they had was in common. 35. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of who? The Lord Jesus. Their constant focus was on the Lord Jesus and the people he loves and the work he's about. It's great. And it goes on. And great grace was upon them all. We're gonna see the connection this morning between grace and appreciation for gifts that we've received that we don't deserve. Gratitude and generosity are our conjoined twins. We're gonna see that. There was not a needy person among them, 0%. Now, the church, as we've learned in our Acts series, is now 5,000 men plus, now, these are families. This is well beyond the size of Gunnison, right? And the college. You add that in, well beyond. There are no needy people. What are the chances? This is an act of God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine as God continues to pour his generous heart into us and through us? Can you imagine as we meet the needs? of not only this body, but the people who are far from God with the good news and we're meeting their physical needs, their spiritual needs, their emotional needs, their friendship needs, their job needs, whatever it is, what's gonna happen? Can you imagine that? People will say, there must be a God. There must be a God who loves me. And that's a big departure from from the way I think the American church sometimes does it, which is kind of lobbing truth bombs at people rather than displaying and demonstrating the good news into which we can speak life and show them the God that really loves them. Oh, it's wonderful. There was no needy people among them for as many as, you know what that means? As many as means 100%. As many as were owners of lands and houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as any had need. What's going on here? As many as people had houses and lands, sold them. Now we're not talking about, about creating a church of homeless people. These were people, as many as 100% of those who had what they determined extravagant luxuries, more than one place to live, more than one land to put their head down, they were selling all their extra stuff and bringing it to the church to be, to be used for God's work, and the apostles were distributing. They had a benevolence fund like we have a benevolence fund, and they were distributing to all as they had need. They were having yard sales, but they, they weren't having yard sales as we think about it to sell all their 1970s disco wear or broken appliances or whacked out wedding gifts. They were having a yard sale. They're selling the yard. They're having garage sales. They're selling the garage. They're selling the vacation home. They're doing all. Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? Because to them, as they follow Jesus Christ, it is almost inconceivable that they would have too much when the people that Jesus cares about, some of them had not enough. And so his generosity to them was being poured out in some miraculous, incredible ways. And, and why were they doing it? I, uh, one of the things, before we meet the other awesome church that, that, that does this for us, I'm going to need uh, two people to help me, two guys. Jason, would you mind? I'm not going to make much fun of you. Come on up, man. And Kirk, do you mind just standing up here? These are two of my friends, and I, I knew they would understand. And, and they're just going to help play out what the foundational principle from Scripture that these early churches understood, which is also what I believe to be one of the largest myths that is out there about money that we have to get to the bottom of if we're truly going to follow Jesus Christ. Now, I'll do it this way. Kirk would you honor us by representing all of us okay kirk's going to do that he's going to represent all of us and and i you know i wish i was that good looking but that's that's good just just be there now jason is going to be a banker a bank now that's very cool i wish my bankers <laughs> you know did the thing here maybe occasionally wore the sunglasses on the back of the neck you're looking good now we're set up Kirk is representing all of us, all of us, individually and collectively. And Jason is gonna represent the bank. Now, this is my most expensive visual aid, so I will ask you to take good care of it. This is $500. Um, This is 25 Jacksons. I counted them out. Now, um, I'm gonna give them to you because... Because Kirk and his wife, Sarah, yeah, have gone through the flow series, and they know how important saving money is and, and being careful, and they have saved up, they have saved up, yeah, they have saved up $500, $500. Now, he is going to make a deposit in Jason's bank. You're, you're going to make a deposit in Jason's bank. Yeah, go ahead and do that. And Jason is going to watch over that money. Let's see let's you're washing, watching over that money, look. Now, everything's good, right? you saved, you've made a deposit. Now, Sarah comes up to Kurt and says, sweetie, sugar pie, stud muffin. What does she call you? Stud muffin. Stud muffin. <laughs> I expect that to be true. We need, we need new drapes. Now that is not something that is gonna go through a man's head, okay, ladies? Let me help you out with this. We think the window coverings are fine. In fact, the highest use of window coverings we can think of is to make the room dark enough so that we can watch our UFC fights in pristine UFC high def condition, okay? Okay? If, guys, if getting new drapes is something that that you feel real enthusiastic about, I want you to come up during the invitation. We're gonna pray for you. Okay, so she goes up, and he's a good husband. I will tell you guys something. If your wife says, we really need new drapes, you might just be getting new drapes. So, Kirk goes to Jason's bank, and Jason sees him coming and gets a deer in the headlights look. Yes, that was perfect. And he says, he says, Kirk, buddy, come into my office. I want you to sit down. You see, banking has not been going well. Banking has not been going well for me. And I remember you made that deposit. But my wife wanted to go to Garlic Mike's. And I needed a new driver, you know, I had one of those large head things, a new golf club. And my kids were whining about wanting a Wii. And I didn't have the money because the bank isn't doing well. So I used yours. Is that okay? Is that, no! No, Kurt, no, right. You deal with Kirk, or you don't have to deal with Sarah, man. Is that okay with you? Because he's representing you. No. He just took your five hundred dollars. Is that okay? No. no. I am from New York, and this is time for what we used to call opening up a can of whoop something or other. So they're having it out. I want my money he has just breached what a lawyer would tell you is a trust, a fiduciary trust relationship. When you deposit money in a bank, they are to watch over it for you. It is not theirs, correct? Correct. This sheds light on a spiritual truth that I want us to look at. It's Psalm 24.1. If you could pull that up. Psalm of David, it said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell therein, which means the earth is the Lord's and everything that is in it. So let's unpack this a little bit and tell you who these roles really are. Kirk is not really representing you and me. Kirk is representing God. Jason is not representing the banker. Jason is representing you and me. Can I have my visual aid back? Yeah, because thank these guys. Thank these guys if you would. Shri said I could come home, but not without the visual aid. So there you go. Just please don't buy drapes with that. Um, Kirk is representing God who has made a deposit in us. The question is, have we done with his deposit, with his blessing, everything that God would want us to do? Or does he come to us and say, I want you to use it for this and this and this? And we say, well, I needed to go here. I needed to go there. I needed to do something. Everything, this is the foundational truth that, that, that all generosity kind of springs from. It all belongs to him. It all belongs to him. We don't own squat. And that's good news. That's good news. You know why? Your 401k that has shrunken a little looks like a 201k. It's his. Stop worrying about it. Your car that may or may not start is not your car. It's his car. Stop worrying about it. It's all his. It all belongs to him. And when we get that, that turns our entire economic, theological, philosophical world on its head. It changes the way we live. It changes the way we worry or don't worry. It changes the way we save, the way we earn, the way we do or don't go into debt, the way we give. It's all his. What do you want to do with it? Thank you for entrusting some of it to me. It goes from so what, are the, what is the church doing? What is the church in Acts doing? They're giving away all their stuff? They're selling all their stuff? No! They're selling God's stuff to give to God and the people he cares about. That's the difference. Instead of saying how much of my stuff do I have to part with, it's God has blessed me so richly that I now have the blessing to get to give to others, share with others as he would have me do. And that is the flow that we're gonna take a look at in a little bit. That is the flow. Why give? This is one of the reasons, because it's not ours. It's not ours, it's his. Whatever we have, it's not by the sweat of our brow. The Lord says, it is I who have given you power to get wealth. Everything we have, everything we ever will have, belongs to him anyway. And that's great, great news. So let's take a look at that really interesting church. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, this is the Macedonian church. They understood this principle in a huge way, in a gigundous, world-changing, heart-transforming, kingdom-building way. They understood that everything was his. He's telling, now Paul and Timothy are writing to the church in Corinth and they're saying look at the church in macedonia and i want you to do what they're doing i want you to be the way that they are i want you to experience the generosity of god let it well up in you and pour through you just like they're doing and 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 what the corinthian church did their mindset was often what our mindset tends to be excuse me a sec their mindset was often what ours can be, which is generosity is a condition of the bank account. Generosity has principally to do with how much you do or don't have. Not true. Not true at all. The truth is that generosity is not a financial issue. It's a faith issue. It's not what is or isn't in your bank account. It is what is or isn't in your heart. And they got that right, and let's see how they do it. First, let's notice how generosity shows how they and we have understood and received the grace of God. 8 1. Let's take a look. We want you to know, brothers, again, this is Paul and Timothy writing to the church in Corinth about the church in Macedonia. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. Now look at the word grace. Let's go back, Ryan, to 1 eight, one. Look at the word grace. Now here, that is the grace of provision. That is the grace of provision. Notice the grace that has been poured out among the churches in Macedonia. Grace is undeserved favor undeserved favor. He has provided everything, and when we look at grace, we see everything through the lenses of grace that changes us, and we become grateful people because we realize all that has been given to us, even in times that the world would define as need, and in times of plenty, it doesn't matter. We've been blessed in the heavenlies. We've received so much, and when we go through life with gratitude We become joyful people, generous people. I wanna challenge you one day this week, I want you to go through, try this. It is phenomenal. Be grateful, this will be your grateful day, okay? Be grateful for everything. Make your day. One day this week, and I want you to come tell us about it. Get on the blog, uh, on, the, on the Facebook page. Tell us how it goes for you. From the time you wake up to the time you put your head down on the pillow, I want you to thank God for everything. Oh, God, thank you for these sheets. Thank you, because some people don't have, don't have covering. Thank you for the warm water in my shower. Thank you for this breakfast of, you know, a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit, which is one of the finest breakfast foods. Um, Thank you for everything. Thank him for your crabby uh, office mate that reminds you uh, that you've got a mission field. Thank him for everything continually and you will see a mind change and a heart change that makes us more joyful, more generous, more content without our circumstances changing one lick. It's because we know the grace and the Macedonian church knew the grace and it goes on in verse 2. This is wild. Take a look at this. For in a test, a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, this is crazy. I want you to look at how bad things were in Macedonia. Some background. Now... um, I want to contrast Macedonia and and Corinth that he's writing to Corinth about Macedonia with the way the economy has hit Gunnison. Very hard, right? There are some who have suffered greatly. If you're in the construction industry, things have slowed down to a to a crawl. If you're, if if things are related to that, there have been people who are out of work. There are people who've lost a lot of assets. I I don't want to diminish the challenge of this time for us in Gunnison right now at all, at all. But I think you'd agree with me that there are parts of the country who have suffered even more. And and the city I'm thinking about is Detroit. Detroit is is Motor City, right? And you know you know that the the Auto industry has just been decimated by this, right? The rest of the country has been going through a severe recession. Detroit is going through a depression because nearly everything in that city is related directly or indirectly to the auto industry. Unemployment is climbing between 20 and 30% there. Layoffs, forced furloughs, retirement, people are on retirement, not receiving them. This is how bad it is. The people who are in jail in Detroit have stopped applying for parole. They don't wanna get out. I'm not kidding. They don't wanna get out right now because at least in jail, they know they have shelter. At least in jail, they know they're gonna be fed. It is awful. God bless them, and and and, and I, I really pray that they, they can pull out of it. This is the difference between Corinth and and Macedonia. Corinth is Gunnison. Things are bad, and things are tough. But it's not Macedonia. It's not Detroit. Macedonia is in Detroit, okay? Think of it that way. I want you to see, in light of all that, I want you to see the whacked out math that is represented in verse two. Their affliction, it says, I'm going to go back. I'm going to get it I'm gonna get it right. Their severe test of affliction plus their extreme poverty equal abundance of joy and overflowing generosity. Affliction plus poverty equals joy and generosity. How can that be? How can that be for them? How can that be for us? The worst of times... Has welled up in the best of outpouring. Affliction and poverty equal joy and generosity. Here's why. Because for the people in Macedonia, when the economy tanked, their God of money did not die because it wasn't their God, their God is Jesus Christ. Their God is Jesus Christ and he was still on the throne and he was still in control and he was still the provider. He was still the Lord. He was still the one who was in charge of their lives. He was still the one that owns everything. And so his generosity continued to be poured through them and gave them joy at a time that we hadn't, that, they, that people can't understand. That people can't understand. Their source of joy and generosity was not the economy. It was not a financial issue. Their source of joy and generosity had not died. He is alive. And if the source of our joy and generosity has not died and is still on the throne, then we can, in the worst of times, still be joyful and still be generous. Why was the Macedonian church not depressed and stingy? Because they never saw themselves as poor. As long as they had Jesus, they couldn't be poor. They were rich in all the things that truly mattered. And when we have, when we have financial troubles, if you're anything like me, you tend to look at the people who financially are doing better than you. And when the Macedonian church faced the most severe of trials, they looked to the one who, who gave them everything, Jesus Christ. And they felt wealthy. And they, they felt wealthy. They couldn't be poor. And they looked at others and said, I wish they could have all that we have, even those who were doing better financially than them. They didn't see themselves as poor. Verse three, very cool very cool, and they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. They weren't giving, you understand, they're not giving disposable income. They're not giving God their leftovers. They had the heart of of King David, who says, I will not give the Lord that which costs me nothing. I love him too much. He's given me too much. I will not give him that which cost me nothing, that which my lifestyle doesn't feel. I want to give as he has given to me. And so they poured out, not as they could afford it. They went beyond. They went beyond. They even gave their accord. And that's, All right, I just got to check and see if you're listening. You know, you got to stay with me, track with me here. Okay, so they gave above and beyond. Verse four, get this, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Can you see them in this church? Can you see them when it's offering time? They're like praying, God, I hope that the plate starts in my role. I hope the plate starts in my role. Bring it around again, I'm not done. Come on, you know? They, they begged for the favor The opportunity to give to God, the opportunity to give to hurting people, people who need it, was so great and they understood that. So much joy that came from that. Can you see them in this church? Just waiting. They didn't see the offering. We usually do it between the music, you know, the worship time and the message time. They didn't see that as halftime, like the, the, the break, right? They saw that as an opportunity to worship with all that God had given them right? And if you're anything like me, you have that misconception. I had this at one time, that God needed our money. This was our time to help God out. God needs our money to do his work on earth. And it sounds very sacrificial. It sounds very holy, but it's not true. Give to God. God needs our money. If God wanted your money, he'd take your money. There'd be a little greasy spot where you were. (laughs) He'd take it. And you get all puffed up. You're going, I'm going to help God out. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help God out. Bring me that plate. I'm going to tip him like a pretty waitress. How about that? He needs my money. There you go, God. I'm going to help you out. No. God has a much deeper plan. His plan is to take you and me and turn us into the image of his very son. Jesus Christ, who was the most generous giver in all of time and eternity, and so as we follow Him, His desire is for us to be givers, to join Him in what He's doing in blessing people, and healing, and setting free, and giving grace. Oh, oh, it's great. We're gonna we're gonna move quickly. Um, taking part in the relief of the saints, verse 5. And this, not as we expected, they gave themselves first to the Lord. They had their priorities straight. We give ourselves to the Lord, that we love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. And then they gave themselves to us by the will of God to us. Do you know, it's funny, but we believers are really funny about giving. Did you know that um, most times, most years, less than 10% of, of Christians tithe. Tithe means give 10% of your income, the first fruits to the, to the church, to the work of God. Less than 10%. In fact, um, one in four give nothing. And I don't mean this as condemnation. I just, I just want us to take a look in, in the mirror, which means if the person to the right of you gives, gives, and the person to the left of you gives, and the person in front of you gives, the person who gives nothing statistically is you. <laughs> I just want us to see the disconnect when we as Christians say, I treasure the Lord Jesus Christ above all, above all, and I would give anything for them. Yeah, How much do you give? Nothing. Can you see a father or a mother say, my kids, I love my children. I give my life for my children. I think they are my treasure, my joy. How much do you give to them financially? Nothing. We would question, we would question because there's a disconnect there. I'm not talking about handing out, I'm talking about providing food, clothing, things like that. Love is not only how we feel. Love is what we do, right? And love gives, love gives. We're gonna take a look at that in a minute. Verse six, verse six. Accordingly, we urge Titus, That as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. Giving is an act of grace. Generosity is an act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and in all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this gift of grace also. We need to be generous in every area of our lives. Generous in every area of our lives. Not just in the offering plate, but just pouring out generosity. Generosity because it shows that we've received and understood the grace of God. It shows with every ounce of giving that we know it's not ours. And we can be lavish about our giving, like God is lavish about our giving. You know, uh, we're gonna leave here, we're gonna go, a lot of us like to go out to lunch. I have talked to many servers, waiters, waitresses in our town when I go out and I said, how is Sunday, how's a Sunday after church crowd? Ask them this yourself, they'll cringe. The better dressed the people are, and, and we get that rush after the church is let out. They don't want to be there. Why? Because we tend to be demanding, exacting, and stingy. Kind of almost looking down on them like if they were better people, they wouldn't be working on a Sunday. They don't want to know where you're going to church. And they won't be very curious about your God. But what if? What if we went half as much and used that money to give a 100% tip and just said, I care about you. I love you. I wanted you to know that God does too. There must be a God. There must be a God who loves me. Do you see a wave of people doing that? They want to know what's going on with these crazy folks that want to bless me more than they want to keep their money. Excel in this gift. Let it pour out. Let it flow. That's, I want to get to this so much. Verse 8, giving preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. Giving preaches the gospel. I say this not as a command but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Verse nine, for you know the grace, the outpouring, the unmerited favor of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. Every time we give to the church, to the needy, to people out in the community, we proclaim the Good news of Jesus Christ, who for our sakes became poor so that we might become rich. We might become rich. Jesus has lived eternally. He didn't just start his life as a baby in Bethlehem 2,000 plus years ago. He has lived eternally on his throne in glory, and he's never been broke in his eternal state, okay? If you read Revelation, they say there are streets of gold. That is an economic upturn. If they start having community meetings in Gunnison saying we have too much money, we're gonna fill in all the potholes, and hey, we can afford to do the streets and gold, the economy is doing well, Jesus is not broke, but yet he is generous as he comes. He is generous to be born. He is generous to become a human being. He is generous to be born, not in a palace, but in a barn. He is generous to be born to an unwed teenage mother named Mary, an older construction worker named Joseph, to live and be raised in the armpit that is Nazareth, a town of no consequence. They said, can anything good come out of there? He was generous to do that. He was generous to give us an example and show us the way to live. He lived a generous life, and then he went to the cross. He lived in poverty, became homeless during his earthly mission. He was generous to go and be beaten and go to the cross and die there as our substitute for our sins three days later to rise again to give us the generous gift of salvation, to give us the generous gift of forgiveness, to give us the generous gift of freedom and victory over Satan, sin, and death, the generous gift of the Spirit, the generous gift of being with us, the generous gift of an eternal home. Jesus is the most generous giver that has ever been given, that has ever lived. And we who follow him have to, if, if When we receive him and, and God gives us the Holy Spirit, he is our Lord and Savior. God puts in us his DNA to be generous people. Why? Because giving proclaims the good news of our very generous God, our generous Jesus. Love gives. Can I bother you? Can you stand up a second? This is my boy. His name is Tommy. I love him in a very imperfect way. A very imperfect way. But it is strong. I love him so. He is home from college. And having him home and the joy that that fills me with. Quince, I love you too, but you're not gone yet. So it's not good for the (laughs) illustration. Love you a little bit more. If you're a parent, I want you to look at your child, your son, and your daughter. If they're not with you, I want you to think of them. John three sixteen, love gives. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that those who believe in him might not perish but have eternal life. I love my boy. In a very imperfect way. But if I had to give him up for you. I'm afraid you'd be out of luck. But our God. Our God. Who loved Jesus. Eternally. In the most perfect way. Saw you. And saw me. I just can't get my mind wrapped around this. Loved me. And loved you so much, that gave his son so that I could become his son. So that you could become his son. You could become his daughter. God so loved the world that he, say it with me, gave. Love gives. Say it with me. Love gives. Love gives. When we give, we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to ourselves, to others, to a world that desperately, desperately needs to hear it. Our generosity, reflected by the generosity of God, fueled by, provided by the generosity of God, is a way for this countercultural revolution of bringing people back to God through Jesus Christ, that it's part of our mission that the town and the college would know. Proclaim the good news. I'm gonna let you go in a minute. I wanna give you, because you've been good, the secret of the flow of the flow. Now, some of you, think that we just named this series Flow to be hip, cool, and relevant. We don't have to do that to be hip, cool, and relevant. We are hip, cool, and relevant. (laughs) It actually is a very good word. It's not only slang for cash. It is the picture. God is the God of flow. Do you not realize that? We're gonna show you the secret of the flow behind the flow. Flow is all through the Bible. You know, in the Old Testament, 18 times God said, God said, God said, I will lead you to a place that is flowing with milk and honey. When we become believers, the rivers of living water are to flow out of us. And here I want you to, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 9. Okay, just flip the page. It's the neighbor. We're going go, uh, to go to verse 6 in chapter 9. I want you to see the flow. I want you to see this that God has set up. Paul says the point of it is this, whoever sows or gives sparingly will also reap or receive sparingly. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel, I'm not going all Joel Osteen on you, this is a spiritual principle of generosity that God has set up, the flow behind the flow, here it is. You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully, gives generously, will also reap bountifully, Receive generously. Each one must give as he decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, all pinched and angry, and I'm gonna have to give up what I have given. No. God loves what? A cheerful giver. You know why? Because God is a cheerful giver. That's why he loves it. He's cheerfully pouring out blessing after blessing after blessing, which we're going to take one week, one day during this week, and thank him for everything. We're going to realize how much of a provider he is. He loves the cheerful giver because God is a cheerful giver. Get this, and God, verse eight, is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times that you may abound in every good work as it is written. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. So we're gonna give to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Here's the hula hoop. He who supplies seed to the sower gives us things to to give And bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Here it is. Here it is. Here's the flow. Verse 11. I want you to listen. You will be enriched in how many ways? In every way. In order. Why does he do it? So that we can be generous. In how many ways? In every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Here's how it works. All the wealth, all the provision is with our generous, cheerfully given God who has given us all things through Jesus Christ. Ephesians says he has blessed us in the heavenlies with every spiritual gift, every gift that I mentioned. He blesses, he blesses, he blesses who? He blesses us. Why? So that we can in turn give both to the church and to the needy, right, which wells up in what? Thanksgiving and glory to God. He sees this, says, this is my plan. I will increase the flow because you're doing with it what I've designed. That is the flow. We are not to constipate the flow. If it comes from here to here and stops, there's something very wrong. The kingdom is not going forth. People are not being blessed, and God is not being glorified. And so we don't have that generosity and joy, not only in the good times, but if bad times come along, we certainly don't have it then. And when it all works, see the lights go off? You don't get that everywhere. Yeah. There's glory. Is there anybody here who's visiting a young person who would have gone to children's church this morning, first time here? Come on. Your age? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know your name. Elena, Elena, you have a hula hoop, my sweet. Enjoy that. You can take those sketchy signs off it if you want. But that is the flow of God. It not only reminds us in the world that God is the source and the owner and the provider. It not only shows that we understand and have received grace and want to pour it out. It not only proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ but it allows us to join God in what he is doing. We get to do cool stuff for God. There is no greater joy. Do you know that through your generosity, this church this year will give away probably in excess of $70,000 to foreign missions, to people in need in this community, to people in need uh, in this body? That's because you've been faithful. And people will come and say, There must be a God. There must be a God who loves me. I need that. I need that. It, it allows us to do cool things for God. Matt is working on uh, something that's gonna be attached to our website. It's called The City, where we'll be able to post needs and resources and match them up initially in the body once we get it humming in the community. And God, as we respond, will pour out his blessing so that we can be generous at all times, in all circumstances, and know the flow. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. I want you to take a look at a video, and we thank our friends from Life Church uh, for providing this. But it's all about what can happen when we understand what generosity is all about
1: you know how sometimes it feels like life just happens you know just random things seem to fill your day things with little or no consequence to anyone else i mean i know god's in control of my life but i never really saw how much he was weaving my story with other people's stories and really into his story well that's all changed It was a cold day, the kind where you really don't want to have some long conversation outside with someone, especially with someone you don't really know. But that's exactly what God had in mind. Amy and I had just eaten lunch at Dumplin's downtown Franklin, and we were walking to the car and we see this couple that I thought I recognized from church. It would have been awkward just to walk by them and not say anything, so we stopped and said, hey, and did the whole, yeah, yeah, you guys go to fellowship thing, whatever. Well, we start talking and the whole Dave Ramsey thing comes up. They asked us where we were in the process, and I told them that so far we paid off 60000 but still had $10,000 left to go. They asked us what we would do when we were debt-free, and I laughed and told them, well, I told my kids I'd buy them a trampoline, what we really wanted to adopt, and we committed to being debt-free before we did. The whole conversation only lasted about three minutes. It was like, nice to meet you. That was random. Well, The next day, that random person shows up at my office with this brand new trampoline. I couldn't believe it. It was like my kids are gonna freak. I set it up that night and my kids jumped on that thing for four hours. I mean, we didn't even know these people. They didn't have to do that. I mean, really, that's pretty generous. Well, the next day, I get an email from the same lady saying, Oh, you guys seem like a sharp couple and we'd love to come by and talk to you about something. I emailed her back and said, that sounds like a multi-level marketing proposal. And if it was, we really weren't interested. Of course, she says it's not that sort of deal, but she was really persistent. She even called Amy. Amy had been sick, and it really wasn't a great time to have company over. Our house is a wreck, and we didn't feel like picking it up. We said everything short of, please don't come over to my house. So they show up, and I'm like, here we go. Let's get this over with. Don't say yes to anything. I couldn't believe they sunk their claws into us with that trampoline to get us involved in some pyramid scheme. Anyway, so we small talk for about five minutes, and then right when I thought they were about to drop the bomb, they did. But it wasn't the bomb I was expecting. So the lady says, well, we told you we'd only be a few minutes, and I really don't know how to say this, but we want to pay off your $10,000 left in debt so you guys can adopt. She pulls out her checkbook and goes, how do you spell your guys' names? What are you kidding me? Are you for real? I mean, who does that? Who writes somebody a check for $10,000 dollars and gives it to people they don't even know? So they give us a check and they said, "Just don't act weird around the church and just don't tell anybody it was us." And they drove off. I mean, Amy and I stood there for 10 minutes in total shock. Then we cried and we screamed. And we ran all over the yard and the house. Unbelievable. I mean, seriously, it was beyond belief. We realized nine months later when we brought Malaya home, the check they wrote us was dated nine months prior to Malaya's due date. They gave us that money right about the time our daughter was conceived. It was like God was saying, I have a baby out there for you right now. I'm not waiting around another two years for you to pay off that debt. We felt called to adopt, but we simply couldn't afford to do it on our own. We found that this random couple had already adopted four children and felt a calling to continue to serve through adoption. Rather than bringing more children into their home, they decided to help others adopt. It didn't just happen, it wasn't random at all. God knew His plan. He had just invited us to walk with Him through this process. He was weaving our callings, our stories together for us to love and to care for each other, to make a beautiful tapestry for his glory. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Jesus, our Jesus is the most generous, generous God, the most generous that has ever been, the most generous that could ever be. As I follow him, I get to be generous as he's been generous to me. And so do we as a family. God wants to reach this town. God wants to reach this college with the good news of his generosity. I can either worship my money or I can worship him with my money, with my time, with my attention, with my love, generosity, it's a pretty great thing. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we want to grow in you. We want to grow closer to Jesus Christ. Lord, as your followers, we want to realize and celebrate that everything that we have is yours. We want to celebrate your grace, your undeserved favor. Lord, that you came and it was generous, Jesus. That you lived in poverty for us that you lived in joy and generosity for us, that you generously went to the cross and died generously and rose generously and gave us eternal life generously and the Holy Spirit generously and your presence generously and an eternal home generously and every spiritual gift in the heavenly realms generously. And you just live to continue to show your generosity and your love. Lord, we want to preach the gospel in the way that we give to your work to your church to the needy to the people in our lives and we want to be more like you Jesus transplant your generous heart in us if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and God is speaking to your heart as he's speaking to mine and you want every area of your life to be more unrestrained and generous as Jesus is generous I ask you to just raise your hand to God We'll pray. I'll pray for us. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Father, Lord, these, uh, my brothers and sisters and myself, Lord, we know we've just scratched the surface with how you want to pour through us, how you want to flow through us in generosity. And we want to know, we want to know that it's all yours. We want to know what you want to do with it. We want to bless people. We want to glorify you. We want to see great thanksgiving raised up to you. We want to we give until people say, there must be a God, there must be a God who loves me because of his people. Lord, we thank you for that opportunity. We celebrate that opportunity and we can't do it alone. We confess to you the times that we haven't done it. We ask for your Holy Spirit that you generously pour out to generously transform our hearts to make us generous people that reflect you, Lord. Still praying, there may be one here and... God has been speaking to your heart and saying, I hear about the generosity of Jesus. I hear of all that he has done. I hear about all of that. I have not received that generosity in the way that I know I should. I have never received him as Lord and Savior. I have never opened myself up to allow him to pour into me his salvation, his forgiveness, his freedom, his love. He's been chasing me from a to, for a long time. And I thought I could outrun him or ignore him or stay on the sidelines, but I can't do it anymore. I want to know the generosity of God for me so that I can join him in his generosity to others. If you'd like to receive the generosity that is Jesus Christ for the very first time, or to rededicate yourself to his generosity, I ask you to just slip your hand up to God. I'll pray with you. I'll pray for you. He'll set you free. Is there anyone, God, is speaking to your heart? You want to give your life to Christ? If there is, if you'd make this prayer your own, generous Lord Jesus, Jesus, I am the one who was poor that you became poor to make rich. I was the one who owed the debt of sin that you came to forgive. I'm the one who is lonely and you said would never be alone. We came to you. Lord, I need you and all your generosity because I am poor in spirit. I ask you to forgive me my sins. I believe that you took my place on the cross for my sins and rose again so that I could have life, life as you created me to have it. Forgive me. I receive you as my Lord, as my Savior, and I will follow you and celebrate your generosity all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.